0: by the people who were there. A Spotify original in association with Mundial. I'm Owen Blackhurst.
2: Yeah, I was across from, uh, is it Kanu Ankoa? And then I was there and I thought, this is me all day. the Normally my celebration is the backflip, for some reason I was doing some strange dance. Afterwards, when I saw this dance, I was thinking, what am I doing? That is Celestine
3: Babayaro, and this is Ed Kiaizor. Ah, Celestine, <laughs> so wow. That fear-no-man energy that you find as a cultural implant in Afrobeats music. Because Afrobeats is basically like the, the, the band telling you, you know what, I'm here, look at me. I'm, I'm the best the world has to offer. And that's what I loved about the guy. I mean, that energy, that hunger, and that shared talent. His celebrations after every goal. You know, as we say, there's a Nigerian, there's a Nigerian saying, you know, we know send. And that was what he epitomized. All of these were little parts of the jigsaw of inspiration that galvanized what really was a team in the true sense of the word. Like, I can't really talk about these guys without getting emotional because I don't think you, I, can actually, I can actually convey to you what they meant to us at a time in our history when we needed something positive to celebrate, you know? And he was part of that patchwork. Bless him.
4: Remarkable celebrations. It's something we've seen in the Nigerians before, the way they celebrate.
3: I was so excited, I didn't
2: even know <laughs> what was going on. I mean, I did the dance, I've watched it over and over again. I tried to replica that dance, it didn't work. Um, but it was a beautiful dance and it made a whole lot of people happy when I did it. I'm not sure what, what I can even call that dance. Um, what, can, what, can, what kind of name can I... Any suggestions? What did you call
0: it, The Joe You called it The Chicken Dance. To I called it The Chicken, chicken dance.
2: dance. Have you heard of The Chicken Dance? Well, we'll leave it as The Chicken Dance. So if anyone wants to learn The Chicken Dance... Here's my agent.
3: So, did Ed do the chicken dance? No, 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 we didn't dance. Because you see, right now, a deity was dancing. When a deity is dancing, you don't dance. What we did, when you, you know, when the masquerade is dancing, you hail the masquerade. Uh, let's just say a few glasses of beer were spilled everywhere on people's clothes, and they didn't particularly mind. You know, there was lots of jumping. The floor was vibrating. and It's almost like we were saying to us, hey, we told you. We told you. We got this. You know? And once again that belief, you know, if those who are doubted that belief in ourselves came back. Like, yes! now nah, Is it not us? No be we, which is a, a pidgin in English, like part 12-4. Yes, that's us. Of course it's us. You should know. He didn't send. The boy no send. Can you explain, we no send. Ah, we no send means, you know, we don't care. We don't care. We care, but we don't care. This is us. Look at us. You can't touch this. That's what it means. I've never heard a goal and the reaction to
0: it described so beautifully. Sitting on a sofa with Celestine and in a pub with Ed, it was non-stop goosebumps. And there are going to be more. You'll need a jumper. So what started on the drawing board as the story of a successful football team became far more than that. It's the story of incredible character, once-in-a-lifetime footballers, and the fight for honour. The story of a team that did not send. A group of men who, for three glorious weeks, could not be touched. This is the story of the dream team. These are Nigeria's Olympic immortals. in a Nigerian restaurant called Echo, It's in Homerton, East London. We're watching the AFCON semi-finals and this is the moment Nigeria got a penalty. It's a game they go on to lose to a fantastic free kick from Riyad Mahrez. But listen to the place. Nigerians are obsessed with football.
1: My name is Anwadioye. I'm a Nigerian journalist. Nigeria is a very diverse country. There are over 250 languages spoken. We have a population of over 190 million. So the only thing that unites people in Nigeria is football. Football is the opium of the masses in Nigeria. When the Super Eagles play, and now increasingly the Super Falcons, uh, when they play, the whole nation comes behind them and the whole nation unites to support them. So football is the number one sport in the country. And football is massive here. The national team is always a reflection of the people in Nigeria. So we have northerners, we have southerners, we have people from the south-south, we have people from the southwest. So everybody is almost evenly represented in the national team uh, that is the Super Eagles. It was 1994
0: when the Super Eagles first rocked up on the international stage. The AFCON holders battered Bulgaria 3-0 in their first ever World Cup game. And the man who scored the opening goal was already a hero the only Nigerian at this point to have won the African Player of the Year award. A man with a fantastic nickname.
5: Yeah, actually Akiri, I mean, that's the goals father. That's what we used to call him, you know, Baba Amala.
0: This is Obi Asika. Obi's been involved in music, the creative industries and sport in Nigeria for decades. But most of all, he's a fan of the Super Eagles.
5: You know, he's he's like, he was the stone-cold killer. He was murdering them in the Portuguese league. And, you know, we were just hoping he would have a big, big World Cup. And I was in my house with a couple of my friends, you know, waiting for that game. And this is back in the day, that's really just relying on the, the public broadcast. There's no pre-match build-up on television. The things you'd be used to in the West are just not happening. So it's just like this dream thing happening in a different land. But I tell you, when Yekini scored, I'm sure, they heard the 150, 200 million Nigerians worldwide because his celebration was for all of us. It was unbelievable. It's still one of the most iconic moments in in sports and in football, and definitely as a Nigerian. I mean, it's just, it was such a release because it's like we finally arrived at the World Cup. In
0: 1994, Celestine Babayaro was 15 years old.
2: It was a shame with him proceeds in the tournament but the nation was still proud of the boys Um, the goal rashidi yakini scored which was the famous goal as soon as he banged
3: in that goal he went held the net and he was shaking it hi my name is ed emeka kizo Uh, i'm an historian and uh, documentary filmmaker i am also the author of the book federation cup and nigerian football which is well the first comprehensive uh, record of nigerian fa cup history and um, also a pundit on Nigerian uh, sports television for oh, what, 27 years. The sheer fervor, the passion, the joy. The man was in a frenzy, and that was simply saying to the world he was yeah he was celebrating himself. He was like Rashidi Yakini, Nigeria. That's what he was saying. So many, so many years of disappointment. So many years of not living up to your potential as a nation, as a football team. Nigeria did live up to their potential.
0: They might have been knocked out by Italy and an inspired Roberto Baggio, but they had made their mark. The quality of their individual and collective play got fans all over the world, and they returned home as heroes. Shortly after the tournament, Dutch coach Clemens Westerhoff fell out with the bosses and was replaced by his assistant. Back to Obi.
5: You know, Westerhoff was probably a bit more defensive-minded. As a coach, I think Bonfrey Joe, he unleashed the beast, right? So he comes in and he's playing 4
3: Joe Benfrey is, I, I, I mean, the word maverick is overused in Nigerian sport, but the man's a maverick in the sense that you have this quiet, toothy guy who is basically the, you know, the uh, the sidekick, the quiet, silent sidekick to the ebullient, noisy, extrovert Vesterhof. What I do know is that I read in the papers after the team came back from the World Cup that he expressly stated his intention to manage the team. He said it, I want this team. But he was a man, clearly, of vision. He knew the team, he knew the strength in that team, he knew the potential of that team. And we had some major, major big boys in that team.
2: Full disclosure, I'm also
3: Nigerian.
0: We met Joe Bonfrere in Maastricht in Holland. <laughs>
3: stay professional until
6: afterwards. Where he
0: spent all his time as a player in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, you are
6: from Nigeria. Yeah, I've been there, two months ago I was there. I I saw eight games in one day.
0: He'd recently returned from assessing players in Nigeria. He talks animatedly about the technique on display, same as it ever was.
6: Somebody had invited me to come to see some football games and to look if there are any good players. When I was there, um, sometimes I drove with my driver on the street, and we saw a football game. And then the driver stopped, we watched, and then I said, hey, you and you, can you come next week on the training pitch in Otta, outside of Lagos, there's a factory, and we have a field like this, and there the national team players must train. So we invite these young players to come on this field, to train, and then we can say, hey, he's good, he's 16 years, we keep him. And on this way we have all discovered Our young players, you have to discover them. So I started on that way in 94. I was still assistant coach, yeah, but I grew already up with a lot of players and I know them very well. Then they decide to take me, the coach left. I qualified with the Olympic and from that moment, you know the story.
0: This was boom time for Nigerian football. They'd won the Under-17 World Cup in 1993, taken a young squad to 1994, and the two teams started to mould together. Before we take off for America again, let's meet some of those players. First up, dictating play from the centre of midfield, a player so nice they named him twice. Here's Obi.
5: Myself and a chap called Godwin um he had a TV show called Best of Football. We still claim that we discovered J.J. culture because after he scored his famous goal against Oliver Kahn, we took that video, because we were analyzing it on television, on his TV show, we took that video to the NFF, to a chap called Sani Toro, and were sort of harassing him to call this kid up, which he did. J.J.'s home debut was actually our first home World Cup qualifier for 94, and it was against Algeria, right? And um, they scored the first goal. But, you know, it it really turned out to be an incredible debut from J.J. Alcoccia. He scored a direct free kick, probably the first one we've seen in a generation from the Super Eagles. And, you know, it just changed the dynamic of our football.
0: When we ask Celestine about J.J., he simply calls him the maestro. Then he stands up, and he's alive with the memories. <laughs>
2: did you see the trick JJ Ococha did on Albert Ferret? But that was the last time it's Albert. Albert hates JJ. They did a documentary with Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho said to everyone, said, listen, you lot think I've got skills. This is the man I learned the skills from. People don't know, but JJ is the man. JJ is watching Ronaldinho. And then people are, oh, Ronaldinho. is
0: like, piss off. <laughs> Bring the ball. Next up, Hailing from Port Harcourt in River State, it's Taribo.
4: He's the father figure for a generation of Nigerian players. Here's
0: deeper. Um, We'll meet him properly later.
4: He was, he eventually became the pastor. You know, the one that prayed before games, the one that just seemed to be the force that drove the team from the back.
6: Joe Bonfrair has got a story for you. Taribo West was, at that time, a little bit crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and he was, learning for priest And as priest you have to talk very, very much. And Taribu must sleep alone, because in the middle of the night, two, three o'clock, he wake up, he's going in front of the mirror, and then he starts, wow, wow, praying, shouting in the mirror against himself. One time I discovered here in, in, in Arnhem, also training center, you went to the reception, he changed 100 guildens and coins. And then you went to the answer to the machine, phone, and he put gloves inside, and he was talking. I said, Taribo, with who you are talking? Coach, there is nobody home. I'm talking with my answering machine. I said, why? Coach, uh-huh. when I get home, I put on the bottom, then I can hear myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and let's give it up for Taribo's partner at the back. Here's Obi and
5: Celestine. I think Chuku could have played for anybody. He went to play in Denmark that he played most of his career for Fenerbahce. He could have played that for AC Milan or Man United.
2: Uche Okechuku, hate flying. Before take off his crying. Big man. Love him to bits. Uche is like this. <laughs> Uche steady son. Never drove a car because he panics. But central defender. No better than Uche Okechuku. Manchester United wanted to buy him at some point, but the Turkish president says
0: you're not going anywhere, stay here. Standing 1.97 meters tall. Papillo. Kano. <laughs> and haunting Chelsea fans to this day. Look, what can you say about Kano? I mean,
3: Kano was out of this world. He was a different, he's on a different constellation from the average footballer in our minds, you know, because we knew we knew him, from we knew his progression. And his role in that team. You know, leadership isn't just about the guy that barks and slaps backs and kicks butts. Leadership is sometimes it's about inspiring. And I tell you what, when you lead by example on the pitch, when you basically tell your fellas, you know what, we're doing this, you know? And that was his. That has always been his, his input to every team he's been around. That is what I consider to be leadership. Kano is one of the greatest leaders of any Nigerian football team going back to 1938, you know? And that's what I mean, what can I say about him? What can anyone say about Kano? And last, but never ever least, it's the man with the chicken dance. Here's Obi.
5: By the time it got to the Olympics, it evolved to Celestine Babayaro, who again is a player that you know really could have been on the Paolo Maldini level.
2: Because if you Google now who's the youngest ever player to play in the Champions League, you realise it's Celestine Babayaro. I'm not sure who that is.
0: In early 96, the Super Eagles were set to travel to South Africa to defend their AFCON trophy. But a rich time for emerging talent was sharply contrasted by the socio-political landscape. So like many things in Nigeria, this is a story that begins with oil. Here's Anu Adoyi. We first met Anu when he wrote an incredible piece in issue seven of Mundial on 1996 in Kanu.
1: Nigeria is oil rich, and the Ogoni people are a tribe in present-day river state in Nigeria's south-south. Where oil was plentiful and international oil companies were out at work, uh, most notably among them was Shell, and Shell had close relationship with the Nigerian government that was led by Sonia Abacha, who came into power in 1993 as a military dictator. Shell went to work uh, exploring oil in in the Ogoni region, and the people, the indigenous people of this region, were feeling the after effects of oil exploration. Most of them, they work as farmers, and and this area is a a riverine region. Oil spillage and environmental degradation led to uh, many of them losing their livelihoods. They began to lead demonstrations against Shell. But Nigeria in the 90s was a terrible place to demonstrate. So when Sonny Abacha came into power, one of the first things he did was he created a security task force called the ISTF, to focus on that region in particular. And during their first deployment, five people were shot outside Shell's property. And Amnesty International has since reported that the ISTF carried out up to 50 extrajudicial uh, executions alongside torture and rape. Uh, so the leader of uh, the movement of the survival of the Ogoni people called Ken Sarawiwa. He was a writer and a non-violent activist. And then, when uh, four leaders in the region, uh, when they were killed in May of 1994, Kensa Ruiwa and and 12 of his other associates were arrested. Uh, In the end, nine of them were found guilty by a trial that has been discredited ever since. And they were sentenced to death by hanging in November 1995. And the execution came against a backdrop of international outcry. For the first time in Commonwealth history, uh, a country was suspended and Nelson Mandela was president of South Africa at the time. He delivered the key votes from the uh, African bloc that ensured uh, Nigeria's suspension. And um, the European Union, he had 15 member states at the time. They all pulled out their envoys from Nigeria at the time. So Nigeria became an international pariah. In
0: this context, football isn't important. But a batcher refused to allow the Nigerian team to travel to South Africa.
3: Here's Ed Kiezo, our historian. To be fair, we were disappointed by AFCON, but I promise you there were so many things going on at the time, right, that, you you know, a bunch of people were disappearing. We had a a so-called, well, an elected president who was in jail, you know, so the grand scheme of things, we were more concerned with just surviving, you know, and I think Abacha himself would have been, in spite of his own eccentricities, I'm trying to be polite, you know, would have been extremely reckless to have prevented us from going to, uh, going to the Olympics. So,
0: you've got a maverick coach who is unleashing the beast. You've got the pasta, the maestro, the record breaker and the butterfly. Let's get down to some training. Joe Bumfrey was
2: a, a, a proper manager. you know we understood what he wanted, um, level-headed person and I think the whole team bought into whatever he was doing.
6: before the tournament, we have work every day for 80, 85 percent, everything doing with ball. The players were happy, they were very strong. Uh, the training was hard but was fair and honestly. Yeah, not cheating, nothing.
0: The squad had training camps in Nigeria and Holland, and then they traveled to the US to acclimatize. But things started badly for
6: Joe Bonfraer. Problems, I had everyday problems with the government, not with the players. There was no hotel for us, there was no uh, place in the Olympic Village for us. So we have to leave. There was no hotel. I phoned the whole evening to get somewhere in the area a hotel. Finally we get a motel for 24 players and we have eight rooms. Every room was for two players. Two were sleeping on the bed and the next day they changed. So we have worked there. There was no bus to bring us to the training speech in that time. And I paid already many times the, the, the bus. I paid the food for them, the, the breakfast. I went with there, there was no money from the government, nothing. So I said to my place for hey, I cannot keep paying and paying everything. I have no money to, for the bus anymore. Ed Kiezer was keeping an eye on things from Lagos. OK, let me say that some of this news,
3: some of the news, filtered into the, into the media. This was at a time when a lot of things were suppressed. But it wasn't new. We're used to that. Many Nigerian teams international competitions have been subject to the same kind of treatment. And it got to a point where, literally, there was anarchy because there was no money. A few years ago, Ed interviewed several of the players. That's where the spirit of the team was actually built. That's them against us mentality, you know. And I must mention that the players there mentioned particular individuals who were like stalwarts of the team, JJ, Victor Peba. These guys literally, because at one point they were almost getting kicked out of the hotel. They weren't getting, you know, they were because they couldn't pay. So these guys were like, well, hang on a second here. How much is this? How, how, how much is this? And they were like, some make a few, a few thousand dollars. He said, Is that all? Got out the credit cards, and paid. They took charge and they simply said, look, let's get on with this. You know, we're here on a national assignment. You know, we'll sort these guys out later. So there was personal pride. And there was also national pride. Because these guys were like legends, were like heroes back home. And they knew they carried the burden of a nation on them. So they took it on. They were like, OK, you know, step aside, let's, let's sort this out. Coach, deal with the training. And Joe Bonfred did.
0: They'd arrived in America in incredible condition and spent the time in Tallahassee
6: working on the finer details. Then... We have a friendly game in the US against the USA. I told them, hey, bring the jerseys, shorts, socks and everything, because the players. Coach, which shirts, which jerseys, which socks? I said, the one we came from Nigeria, you, you brought them. Coach, that's not my job. Nothing. No short to play against the USA in the Olympic Games for a friendly game. Nothing. Yeah, I called uh, the man who delivers all the equipment from Nike. I was a Dutch man. Yeah, so I make phone calls to here, to Holland. And he makes phone calls to USA, to Nike. Yeah, And then finally, two hours before the game, the jerseys came. But the players walking outside in the garden with a towel on site. <laughs>
0: And I said, coach, we can't play like this, no problem. The team and coach lack support staff. Look at the bench. It's Joe and an assistant. But they were on a mission. Hungary and Japan were both dispatched in the group. But back home, excitement
3: was building. Now, every time the Eagles played, Lagos traffic ceased. I'm not kidding. Lagos traffic ceased. Everyone, you know, look, Michael Johnson was running, breaking world records, good for him. The Eagles were playing, you know, the greatest team ever in our history was playing. Who are you? You know, and I mean, I mean I'm sure like people would say the, uh, super, the, uh, the Eagles were almost like the patron saints of Lagos Beer Palace or Nigerian Beer Palace then because the bars were full, the houses were full, you know, husbands who would be out would be at home, you know, and wives happy that these husbands, were moving, even if the husband was a frenzied, <laughs> stay in front of the television.
0: Baba Yaro remembers the mood amongst the players.
2: Inside, basically, there was no pressure. Do you know what I mean? There was no pressure at all, you know? So it was like, okay, we're at the Olympics, we've never been there before. We got there as the underdogs, you know, we knew Brazil was there, Argentina, and, and so on. We kept doing whatever we were doing. Like, we trained hard, made sure everyone was fit and committed. You know, every game as it came, um, we tried to win. You know, not thinking ahead.
0: I could listen to Ed talk for days. His passion and his knowledge are intoxicating. So, with everything that was going on, how much did it mean to see his country on the international stage?
3: It was it was incredibly important. You know, so let's not forget that there were you know where there, Nigeria was almost a pariah nation. You know, we we weren't. You know, when you don't when you have a certain level of self, not self hatred, but shame at what a great nation had become. Banks had collapsed, companies had gone under, you know, we were going through a very difficult time. So when you had this light shining from a round circular object, you know, propelled by young men who looked like my younger brothers, you know, who looked like me, who spoke the same way I spoke, who show that in spite of all the denigration that we face as a people and as a country, that something good could come, as I say, Bible, something good could come from Jerusalem. I can't describe it to you. That's hope that come, you know? We are not defined by the military dictators and hunters. We're not defined by the poverty on the streets. We're not defined by the collapse of our institutions. We're defined by this light that shows what we can do. Once we get our acts together And that's what That actually meant to us At the time
0: Nigeria faced Brazil In the final group game They lost 1-0 It was an incredible Brazil team Ronaldo scored But Beto was up front Roberto Carlos Bombing up and down the wing Nigeria qualified In second place And knocked out Mexico in the quarters Goals for Babayaro And JJ Memories are murky And you can't really Blame them With what was to come but, before we go there, more drama.
6: Here's Joe on how the players solved the transport issues. They said to me, which car you like to have to go to the training field? I said, which car? We'd like to go for training. Which car? I, I don't know. Coach, which car you like to have? I said, I don't know. Give me a car. <laughs> and they go with me out of the motel. Yeah? Preparing for the... Half-final against Brazil, we go outside and outside of the motel more than 1,000 Nigerians. They have to put security outside of the motel with the rope and police. So many Nigerians were there. And then they, they said, hey, who like to bring us to the training fields? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Every player could have a car And on this way we went to the training fields Preparing for the game against Brazil It wasn't just cars they helped with Because
0: of the lack of financial support And living in a motel with no food on offer The team were eating their meals at a Chinese restaurant Three times a day
2: We had our food, typical Nigerian food Dodo and jollof rice and all sorts Um, So it did help it did help. Um, my, my good mate Mr. Kanu, there's a, a Nigerian food, uh, it's called Swallow. Uh, he loves that. If he doesn't have that in two days, there will be problems. So we were lucky enough we had Nigerians that brought that kind of food um, to,
0: to, the, to the hotel. Only six days after the group game, Nigeria travelled to the Sanford Stadium in Georgia to again face Brazil. Joe Bonfraire
6: was ready. They told me in Nigeria, Coach, you are in the group of Brazil. You're not going to make it. I said, it's no problem. If you play against Brazil, we play them one time in the group, we win the other games, and we are qualified. And then we will see. Because I believed them in my players, I believed it in the way we train with them, very hard and very strong. I told everybody we're going to win.
4: Nigeria in the green strip. Kick off. They're let back
0: his Babayaro. I don't know what you like doing on a Monday afternoon, but we quite like sitting on the sofa in our office with Celestine Babayaro, showing him the video of the semi-final. And this is how the game started.
4: It's Flavio Cancheco. Yeah. It's in oh. a goal inside 90 seconds
2: from Brazil. We started losing in the first couple of minutes.
0: An unstoppable shot by Flavio Kacheco.
2: We started staring at each other. We're like, oh, are you in the wall there. I'm not too I did, sure. I don't
0: think you were. I think it's Teribo on the end who gets it gets a deflection off Taribo. One nil down after 60 seconds is not ideal. But then, in the 20th minute, I
2: think it was like a long switch from Moby or Paraco from the right hand side. Pretty good control by myself. Shook the right right defender and Roberto Carlos. Well, I'm not sure if even if he wasn't there, you're not sure that ball was going in the net. I think so.
0: Twisted blood for the defendant. no messing. But Brazil scored two more before half time. Over to Ed in Lagos.
3: I was in my living room. And all I can say is that we'd had a few bottles of gouda had been rendered homeless. And uh, <laughs> watching this, and you know, the worst thing is when you've got a few beers in you and you, you're despondent. That's probably the worst stand-up to, to see a man.
0: Joe Bonfret was fuming. He still is fuming. Bangs the table and upsets a plate of cheese but he was not angry with his players.
6: FIFA didn't help us at all, because they were dreaming Brazil-Argentina final. They didn't give us a room in the Olympic Village. They didn't look when I called for a hotel halftime. Two FIFA members, big members, hey, you still gonna win the game? I said, yes, and your final will not come out. Believe me, I'm gonna win this game. Believe me, I was angry to them and we're going to win. I'm going to win this game. So in the dressing room, I told them, hey, 3-1. The three goals from Brazil were lucky. Hey, Celestine, how's the dressing room? I didn't see anyone
2: down in that dressing room. It was like, come on, boys. You know, you know we can do this. Come on. And that's the attitude we came out with in the second half.
0: The teams go at each other. Plenty of chances. With 12 minutes to go, Nigeria are still trailing 3-1. No point hiding it things are going to go potty. Victor Iqpeba, the Prince of Monaco, have come on at half-time. The ball is rolled to the edge of the box and the Prince is steaming in. Oh,
4: here's an opportunity. Oh, a scorching goal,
6: that is. An explosive
4: finish. Iqpeba, it was, who delivered it. So we're looking for a little bit of magic time. But we got it.
2: Victor Iqpeba, yeah. yeah. And then as soon as that one went in, 3-2, we're like, yes,
0: we're back. The clock keeps on ticking. Joe Bonfreire shuffles the pack. Brazil take Ronaldo off to save him for the final. We get to 90 minutes, and hope looks like it's disappeared for the evening. What are you saying, Ed? Then, Kanu. (laughs) Kanu. This was Kanu's first senior international tournament for Nigeria. This is where he becomes a hero. JJ with a long throw.
2: Watch the technique from Mr Arsenal, watch this.
4: What does he do here? Actually, it's a brilliant finish. He just teed it up for himself. Very clever finish, very clever finish.
0: Is this insane or what? It is insane. Carno is stood in front of the keeper with his back to goal. There's a scramble on. It rolls towards him. Nonchalant flick around the corner. Keeper is absolutely bamboozled. And the butterfly? The butterfly just calmly volleys it home they were not so calm in Lagos.
3: Listen, I can't describe that feeling, you know, because when Kanu scored that goal, Lagos lit up, my area lit up. My usually reserved landlord ran out of his house shouting. And this was late in the evening. Raising each hand, shouting, and we, I mean, we nearly, nearly almost hugged each other, <laughs> almost. We went absolutely mental. Back to the sofa. He's, he's, he's
2: just crazy, Kanu, with his long legs. Don't give him over there, just, it's he, like this, on my feet, on my feet. And then he will destroy any defender. I don't care who you are. He doesn't shoot, he will fake. But then you see the defenders flying on the floor, and then he'll be like, sorry mate. Bang. Left. Goal. He's amazing. He's amazing. So as soon as we got 3-3, that was it. The boys were like, listen, we are getting the next goal. Don't worry about that.
0: This is where Kanu becomes immortal. Look at Kanu. And go, oh, my God. The captain has won the game for Nigeria. The man who saved the game for Nigeria takes them into the final
2: fake like he's going to shoot. The defenders are trying to kill themselves. And that was
0: it. Joe Bonfraire settled some scores and he reckons Brazil got lucky.
6: And we win the game. Then the FIFA maps, Hey, you see? I told you we we're going to win. Brazil was dead. If we have played two times 15 minutes, we have scored more as one goal against them. So they were lucky. It was a golden goal for them.
0: In every interview we did for this program, Toyo would ask people about the song. It is the song. Some remembered it, some
3: didn't. Ed's gonna sing it for you now. Let me give you a bit of background to this. Bebeto had made some remarks in the lead up to that about the team being an inferior team. Let's leave it at that. But well, when those two goals were scored in Lagos, a song was composed for Bebeto because he wept after the match. Never have a man's tears been so sweet in our eyes, never. Lagos Drinkers composed a song, which is song of bars for years. It's actually from, a, um, <laughs> from an old uh, Christian song, gospel song. Uh, the original song is, which is actually one of the main songs of the Nigerian Football Supporters Club. One of their main uh, you know, motivational songs. So we changed it to, when Nigeria win Brazil, when Nigeria win Brazil, oh, bebe to con Bebeto cry. when Nigeria win Brazil. I tell you what, one of the sweetest songs i ever saw.
0: <laughs> After the semi-final, the sports minister approached Joe Bonfre, offered him a new hotel for the team, the one Brazil had vacated. Joe told him to stick it. So the sports minister told him that he was
6: going to pay him in local Nigerian currency. I said, sir, you know what you do? If you like to pay me in local money, then thank you. And you look for another coach, I will not train anymore. So I went to my room, packing, and they called the coach, the, the players out. Hey, it's time, for must go for training. We must go for training. So all the players went in the bus, and then they said, go. But then the players stand up. Hey, wait, our coach is not here. Yeah, uh, your coach is sick, he cannot come. But you know Nigerians, they don't believe anything if they can see it. So they said, okay, if the coach is sick, we like to see." hello to him. we like to see him. So they came to my room, four or five players. Coach, what's wrong? Joe told the players the story. So they went to the bus. They called the players out. And they go all to the rooms. and the, Shayman was calling them. Go, go for training. Everybody was no, we are not going for training. We like to see tomorrow the minister. <laughs> Next day, the minister come, and I want to go also to him. Then the players come to me and say, Coach, no, you not go. We go to him. After 10, 15 minutes, they come to me, Coach, it's okay. You can go to the minister. Even if they didn't even have
3: the. You know, the, the common sense, the gumption to to seize and support. So the players took it on, you know, and I tell you what, that probably galvanized them. These are guys that they knew their stuff, they knew their place, had a lot of pride and confidence. And a coach had to inspire confidence in them. And they clearly had a lot of confidence and love for Bonfrey. They had taken on the infrastructural mantle by themselves. So It was simply a question of marrying both, using their own skills and getting out there and showing the world. And Christ, they did. And thank God they did.
0: Thank all of the gods. Here's a team made up of all but two players over the age of 23. They've knocked out Brazil. Brazil with a forward line of a World Cup winner and the hottest property in world football. They've done it after the dictator in charge of their country had stopped them defending their crown. They are sleeping three to a room, eating in a Chinese restaurant. And they are together, no egos, No fights, no nonsense. They had a hell of an impact on a five-year-old.
4: My name is Deepo Floyan. I'm an associate editor at VICE magazine. And this moment was the moment where I started realizing that football was something special. So my dad was in the Nigerian Air Force. So we were posted out to Virginia. We were based there. I was probably living a very American childhood at that point. My parents did their best to obviously make it very clear that we were Nigerian, but Virginia and our neighborhood was very white American suburban. And so this gave an opportunity for you to kind of see your identity and see kind of how special Nigeria can be on a global scale rather than just something that was limited to our family life.
3: Fever. Fever. Excitement. You know, we made plans for that day, we made plans for the match. I wasn't going to watch that match alone. Fever. Lagos was alive. Lagos was agog. I'm sure it was replicated all across the country. Fever. No joke. Now, Argentina had Ortega. They had some great players, but we knew we could beat them because we had beaten Brazil. You know, for us, in in football terms, for Nigerians, after Brazil, God, there's no space in between. We felt that if we could beat Brazil, we could beat anyone. And the players also felt so. I mean, that's all I can say. Fever. Here's Depot again.
4: So the day before, the idea was that we'd all just be home the next day and we'd all sit together and we'd watch it. And we'd watch Nigeria win. Like that, you know, it wasn't a competition. It was, you know, a coronation.
0: Argentina did have Ortega. They did have Crespo. But Nigeria did not fear them. Here's Joe Bronfrey on the pre-match preparation.
6: The day before or two days before, I don't know. We were again eating in the Chinese restaurant. So I receive two tapes. First half, second half. I go now to my room and I gonna watch the game. So the next day we have a talking, and I told them, Argentina have only one thing. Yeah, when the they go in the attack, this is top striker. He's going to the right side. Somebody else will come here, he passed the ball to him, he gave the cross pass, he gave the cross pass, and he hit him inside. That's the only thing what they have. So we have to take care for this. Taribo, you let him go, Babayero will take him. If he comes, Taribo and uh, Uche, you take him, you take care for him. Okay, coach, no problem. Yes. yes!
0: What a start! The first
6: attack that Argentina put together. Once again, Nigeria stretched. We start, after 10 minutes, 1-0. <laughs> I said thank you.
0: Even 23 years later, Baba Yaro winces when he sees the goal. Shows us how Uche and the Pastor weren't doing their jobs. But he's not wincing when we get to 28 minutes. We're chicken dancing again.
4: What a good header! And it looks like they're
2: on the verge of doing it again. I was thinking, ooh, that ball might be my one. Bang, in the net. You you don't understand what you feel when you score a goal. You just feel like you're on top of the world. Yeah, brilliant. That
3: header, it's almost as if he was like, you know what, I'm, I'm having you. Because he literally lifted himself up on the player to head that goal in. Bless that boy. His body movement, his body movement was clear. He says, you know what, we die here. That's another Nigerian <laughs> phrase, we die here.
0: Five minutes after halftime, Ariel Ortega did an impression of a man who was dying here. Remember Ortega? One of the new Maradonnas? Nutted someone in a World Cup? Hair of a Lego man?
2: Yeah, Ortega's dive. Shame on you, Ortega, wherever you are. taribo West was pissed off when the, uh, the referee said it was a penalty. As soon as this one went in, they were like, they, they
0: thought, yeah, that was it. They didn't know what was coming. 16 minutes to go, and they're calm. Babiaro takes a long throw from the left.
4: Hamakachi, it was a striker's finish. Kahn gets the flick on. It bubbles, it bumps. He's got two touches, he's had one, there's
3: the play. Hamokachi, look, let's put it this way, right? Hamokachi is like, is like a sword. Use him well. The man was a bull. You know, a most ferociously determined player. Look, he's just that sheer force of personality. You know, and that team, and you talk about leader. Whereas Kano was more of a subtle, skillful, inspirational force, Amokachi was a bull in the, strongest, in the simplest sense of the world. He literally lifted the team on his shoulders. An incredible player, you know, an asset to any team. I could do a big build up here, drop a bit of Jeopardy
0: in, but you know what's coming. Let's watch it with Celestine. After all, he was there. I think I was in Tenerife.
2: Can you take me back yeah, a yeah. little bit? Yeah. If you look at the free kick, the defenders, they could easily kick the ball out. Watch. Look at them. You ignore the ball and you're running the opposite way. And Emmanuel Amanike. our man, just put the ball in the net and that was it. Go for Nigeria. Game on. And
4: Africa, the Cup, world football
0: have stated their intentions in one of the most prestigious tournaments in the game It's not just game on, it's game over The dream team Olympic champions, they've denied another powerhouse their first gold medal. Here's Obi Seeker.
5: In our dreams, even in their dreams it was unreasonable to expect an African team to beat Argentina and Brazil It remains a movie that hasn't been made I mean, because that's what it is, you know five African nations declared public holidays because of that win it was It wasn't just a Nigerian win, it was a win for the continent for black people it was a It was a big, big big big, big moment.
0: not a bad match for your first ever game of football. hey deeper
4: immediately there was a link between football and family more than anything else and and so it felt special to be. A part of my family enjoying this moment it was as much about nigeria as a country as it was about this football team and so at the end of the game was this sense of maybe of hope more like that you know this was now the beginning of a period of time where nigeria can be a real kind of force in the world yes
3: we won and for that moment we were kings we were kings man you know no one's going no, no one could take that from us they were, of course, immediately, the, the, the boo boys came out and said, oh, well, it's just the Olympics, you know, it was just the Olympics. Yeah, we won it, sorry, we won it. Bebeto was there, Ronaldo was there, we beat them. OK, so please, we won it. Whether it's just the Olympics or not, we won it. We had won. We had won this
0: match. We had won this match. For the fans and the players, it was ecstasy. But for Joe Bonfrae, it was the opposite. He couldn't shake how he'd been treated. He refuses to forgive or forget.
6: The satisfaction was there. I was satisfied with my players, but I was still very, very angry with the sports minister, with the whole board, with everybody. And that's why I refused to go back with them to Nigeria. Because this minister, he have tried to kill me mentally in US. We had so many things you don't believe. And we can't believe this next bit. Yeah, even, even my gold medal he have taken it. Yeah, it was gone. They told me, coach, you cannot go upset. I said, why not? I have my gold medal. No, no, coach, you cannot go. The gold medal from you is already gone. The minister have taken it. And
2: neither could Celestine. Really? That's strange. Very strange. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's that's shocking. How can you be a coach of an Olympic winning team and you haven't got your
3: gold medal? That's crazy. I interviewed the players in 2013 and they were still bitter about the way he was treated even then. Let's just say that uh, Nigerians deserve that team. The Nigerian government of the time and administrators did not deserve that team. They didn't.
0: Celestine remembers the impact it had when they got home.
2: Oh, it was crazy. It's like the whole The whole country came out, and we even heard stories. People, like, jumped from a couple of storey buildings and did stuff to themselves. Yeah, it was crazy, um, because of excitement. As soon as there's a football tournament and Nigeria's involved, everyone is friends again, brothers and sisters. So this is the only sports, I'd say, that keeps the whole country together.
0: We could stop there, tie it all up in a lovely bow and roll the credits, but we'd be lying. Joe Bonfere quit after the tournament. The pain remains.
6: But he loved that team and those players. So I left Nigeria. Not f- because of the football, because if you work with them and you train the players, if you give me two weeks training with them, I play against any team in the whole world. But the happiness is what's gone. Yeah? Even when you have this great success in the Olympic and you make not only Nigeria happy, but you make all Africa happy with this success. Finally, Africa could say, hey, we are the winners from the Olympic. We have beat Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, Germany, France, Italy. We are now the best one. Not only Nigeria alone, everybody was happy.
0: There's something else we had to ask Joe. In 2018, it was reported that he had finally been given a house he was promised by General Abacha
6: for delivering the gold medal. The house.
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
6: <laughs> this is a story. I have seen my house. <laughs> I don't know where it is. But on paper, I have, I have a house. This was a golden generation.
0: One that won something. And is there anything worse than wasted talent? Yeah, it's when someone else wastes it for you. All these players had fantastic club careers. But by the time France 1998 came around, the team are in disarray.
5: I think at 98, a little bit of complacency or a lot of complacency gets into the mix. Here's Obi. And the fact that the NFF couldn't retain Bonfrey Joe pushed the Olympics in itself tells you the problem. Definitely legacy squandered. Definitely lessons to be learnt in continuity. Definitely the greatest generation of players we've ever had.
0: Celestine Babiaro was a right laugh. He turned up straight from a Legends game in Madrid. Told us how good Raul still was. How late Marcel Desailly and Frank Sinclair stayed up. And Celestine loves the game. This is the only time he was angry. Well,
2: it's it's the lack of responsibility, isn't it? it you know, it starts from from the top to the bottom. You know, the officials, the guys in charge of the national team. I can say they're never all together. Yeah, it pisses you off because, like I said earlier, a lot of us in that team played for big clubs, like really big clubs, you know, Chelsea, AC Milan, Ajax, Inter Milan, and then you go back to your national team and then you see people doing things differently. You try and say something and try and persuade them to do things the right way, but you can't, you can't, you can't even, you can't defeat them. It starts from the top.
3: Ed Kaiso agrees. You see... (sighs) The problems of 96, of which we surmounted by winning in spite of, not because of the administrative lapses and irregularities and the mentality, we carried over to 1998. You know, there was a stage where an official said the players don't need a coach, the quality of players we have, we don't need a coach to, to win Cups, which probably I don't need to tell you anything more, You need to, that, that sums it up. It was an embarrassment, you know, legacy
0: squandered. Nigeria were knocked out of the 1998 World Cup by Denmark. Lost 4-1 to a team they should have beat. Mid-tournament, the players had seen Joe Bonfreire in a hotel where he was signing a contract with another team. They tried to recruit him. It didn't happen. And in fact, he did come back for the 2000 Olympics. But there was to be no second fairy tale. But what they did together in 1996 is unparalleled. So let's not leave a whole
3: series on a sour note. Even now, I feel goosebumps at that display. I don't think we'll ever have a team like that again. I don't think so. That team was a product of, man, it was a product, you know, the way you, you know, diamonds are compressed from ugly sediments that are over time produced, you know, processed through nature's, Genius process.
2: Uh, it was brilliant
3: um, because
2: I myself I was young, and then for me to be able to to make the squad full of stars, I should say, full of you know guys like JJ, and, and just these are the guys that I you know pretty much watched before I met up with them. So for me it was you know it was like um, a dream come true. You know, whenever I remember, you know, the 96 and and so
0: on, you know, I feel, feel very proud. For those three weeks in America, the Dream Team gave everyone back home something to be proud of. They gave them honor. They did not send.
2: We wanted to do it for the nation. We knew what the nation was going through. And we knew that this is the only thing that kept the nation together. So it was our responsibility to make sure we had to do it for the nation which we did.
0: Thank you for listening to Giant, a Spotify original in association with Mundial. Dream Team, Nigeria's Olympic Immortals, was created by me, Owen Blackhurst, and me, Seb White. Executively produced and edited by me, Tayo Papula. Original music by Harry Harris. Additional production by Tom Glasser. Research and transcription by Andrew Martin and Max Freeman Mills. Archive assistance by Andrew Tomchak. Thanks to Chris Sleet for all of his help. And special thanks to Ed, Celestine, OB, Joe, Anu and Depot that's all for series one of giant if you haven't listened to the previous five episodes yet what are you waiting for search for giant on spotify now